0: Hey, Jesse, how's it going?
1: Katie, it is going okay. Um, usually we'd have some sort of bantery, funny introductory section here that doesn't really feel like the right week for it, does it?
0: Right. It is uh, hard to make light of uh, everything going on right now. As much as I would like to try, um, I think we should probably forego the witty banter for a week. My apologies to our listeners.
1: Yes, as much as our instinct is just shit irony all over everything. Uh, <laughs> So this is Black and Reported. I'm Jesse Single. I'm Katie Herzog. Yeah, we so look, we I think about a week ago or 5 days ago, we thought we were going to go deep on on the Joe Rogan media story today. We're not going to do that in this episode. We do think it's really interesting and important from various angles. We'll talk about him either on an upcoming episode or uh for the patrons only. So, check us out, patreon.com slash blocked and reported. You can always get in touch, blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com. Just getting that stuff out of the way. Um, The other thing, as we talk, Minneapolis is smoldering. It's a terrible, fast unfolding situation. We're going to hold off on opining about that. At the very least, we're going to see what happens. Um, Suffice it to say, despite our usual aversion to earnestness, my Our hearts both go out to everyone in Minneapolis now, to George Floyd and his family. It's just an immensely fucked up situation. We're going to see what happens. But the story that occurred this week, that is more in our sort of internet wheelhouse, involves a confrontation in Central Park.
0: Mm -hmm. A confrontation between uh, the two groups with the most history of hating each other on the planet birders and dog lovers. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> there we go. There's a little bit of levity. But uh, yeah, that's true, I guess. Uh, so confusingly, the story involves two people of the same last name, Cooper, Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper. And the story began... No relation. No relation. Uh, very important to note.
0: Or or maybe there is a relation, you know, maybe we should get them to do their 23andMe. Their
1: I'd like to think that if you go back far enough, Christian and Amy Cooper are related, as are we all. As are we all. So, so earlier uh, this week or last week, depending on when you hear this... Christian Cooper, who is an avid birder, was in the Ramble in Central Park, and he came upon a woman, Amy Cooper, who had her dog not on a leash. Now, if you're a bird watcher, you don't want dogs chasing birds. And in this part of Central Park, they have a lot of the rule. You're supposed to keep your dog leashed. So according to Christian Cooper, when Amy Cooper refused to leash her dog, Christian said something like, well, you can do what you want, but I'm going to do what I want, and you might not like it. And he took out a dog treat, which... The idea is to try to get the dog to come over to him, basically to encourage the owner to leash it. This is a common problem among birders. I think some other birders also use this tactic. Here's what happened next, according to audio that was later posted by Christian Cooper's sister. Will you please stop. Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop, according me. Please, please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to Can me. A of the please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. So what's clear from the audio is that, A, she threatens to say a black man is threatening her life to the NYPD.
0: No, no, no. No, 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 Jesse. She says an (laughs) African-American, which is a little bit ironic. You know, she's using the term that isn't quite considered politically correct anymore. But I remember, you know, when I was a kid, the thing that you would say to demonstrate that you weren't racist was African American. And that's sort of changed right now. These terms come and go in and out of fashion. But that is sort of the at one point, African American was the was the PC term, the thing that that signaled, you know, I'm not one of them. I'm not a racist. I'm a right. good white. <laughs>
1: that's, that's funny to think about. Um, and, and it's also clear from the video that, you can hear in the video her voice sort of reaches this panicky pitch. I'm sorry, I can't
0: hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man into the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. I'm in circle parking the ramble. I don't know.
1: At that time, Christian Cooper is not coming any closer to her and does not, in fact, pose her any threat. It it comes across very much as a performance. So, as as we'll discuss, like, there's maybe... A little bit of complexity in how this incident started, where there is no complexity to my eyes and ears is that she hammed up this performance and she made it sound like a black man was bearing down on her and physically threatening her when Christian Cooper was not doing anything of the sort. And I think you all know what happened next. This became a big internet blow up. Um, She lost her job. She gave her dog back. the The shelter. There's some sort of interaction with the shelter. She surrendered the dog voluntarily, and and she's now sort of um, been villainized for doing what I view as very much a, an explicitly racist thing. And naturally, this has launched a big discussion about racist policing, about racist white women, and about, for some people, about sort of outrage culture and online shaming. And it's just sort of one of those big, very of the moment stories where I, I barely know where to start with it. So I guess I'll just not do my job here, just start to you and say, what, what part of this jumps out at you the most?
0: Oh, there's so much here. So when this story started to trend, and it very, very quickly started to trend, I think within, you know, a couple of hours of, or less of this video being posted online, Amy Cooper, the name Amy Cooper was trending worldwide on Twitter. And I have learned by now that the initial narrative that is spread online after any sort of big blow up like this is more often than not wrong. There, like the Covington story I've reported on things closer to home in Seattle that took a sort of similar path where, you know, someone is accused of something, maybe it's racism, maybe it's sexism, maybe it's something like that. And then more information sort of um, comes out after. And so I fully expected that to happen again, um, which is one of the reasons I decided not to comment on this. Because at this point, I just suspect the story to be more complex than the initial narrative. And And I think that is true in this case, in some ways. I mean, you mentioned something that has really gotten ignored by a lot, if not most media reports, was that Christian Cooper did sort of explicitly threaten her. and. His threat was that he was going to feed the dog a treat, but she didn't know that, right? And so in this culture of safetyism, this idea that, you know, you're a woman, that um, there's a rapist on every corner, um, which is a narrative that I don't think should be one that is believed, but is commonly believed, especially among women and feminine and male feminists, that the world is this like very dangerous place for women. I can see why she would feel threatened, I don't think that that excuses her actions. I don't think she should have called the cops, but... After this after this came out and this was this was a quote from his Facebook page so he posted this video online and he included a sort of script of the the dialogue between the two of them you know and he and he seems like an incredibly unthreatening person he's a Harvard educated birder I think he's probably gay um, and I say that because in one of the photos that I saw he was wearing like a gay pride flag shirt not because he's a birder he um, comes across
1: as like a very endearing nerd to be honest he
0: really does he, he really does he, I think he worked for Marvel for a little while he's a science editor sort of a you know like a middle-class black man um with the sort of visual trappings of being a middle-class black man um and so i i i understand the outrage in this case but i also think the narrative quickly got sort of transformed like i saw I saw New York times. I saw lots of people say this, but I also saw like New York times columnists say things like she was trying to kill him. This, she should be arrested for attempted murder. Um, There's just this idea that if you call the cops on a black man, whether he's threatening you or not threatening you is, you know, in this case um, that any interaction with a black man is going to result in that black man being murdered by the police. And, I completely understand why people think that. I mean, think about what's happening right now in Minnesota. People have good reasons to sort of think that black men are targeted by the police. We've seen lots of stories that have made major, major news stories that have led to the Black Lives Matter movement that have, you know, we've seen civil unrest after these instances when unarmed black men are killed by the police. But that's also sort of catastrophizing there was a great piece that I think you probably saw in Arc Digital by Zaid Jelani, um, and he talked about this, and he pointed out this pretty interesting statistic, which is that so last year, and this is information from a database kept uh, kept by the Washington Post, the number of unarmed men, unarmed people killed, killed by the New York police was one, and I looked into it today, and the guy who was killed, this wasn't NYPD, he was killed by a state trooper, it was upstate, and he was a white guy. Cops in general have thousands of interactions a day with black people, especially in a city like New York. Very, very few of them end up with an unarmed person being killed. It's just statistically, it's just, it's actually rare. People who are armed get killed at much, much higher rates. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem, you know, and and at much higher rates than, than any other Western nation. I don't know if, if, you know, Cops murder more people in the United States than they do in, say, Mexico, but but at much higher rates than most of Europe. At the same time, cops are also killed at much higher rates because we have, just have fucking guns everywhere. You know, this is this is part of the problem. It's just this: we have guns everywhere. People are a lot more likely to be killed when there are guns everywhere. But this all got flattened into this idea that what she did was attempted murder. And so, to me, that I get it. I get it. People are angry. They're sort of. You know, we're, immer- we're immersed in this in this idea that there is white supremacy everywhere, that every person of color is constantly a victim of racism. And so people are pissed about that, I think rightfully so. But I think it also, you know, doesn't actually align with the real risk of being a black middle class Harvard graduate in Central Park with binoculars around your neck.
1: Yeah. I've had so much trouble with this because I I feel like just by being too online, we get jerked in the wrong direction. We talk about the wrong stuff. Like I, in a million years, I I never would have like parse things this closely and nerdily. If not for the fact that the prevailing narrative seems to be, she did something pretty close to attempting to have someone murdered. Um, I'm, I'm going to mangle her last name, but Zeynep Tupfexi, who's a wonderfully brilliant sociologist and writes great things about technology and a- activism, described this as being swatting adjacent. Swatting is when you like call up the police and you say, there's someone in the house at 124 Fake Street who has a rifle and is holding people hostage. The goal being to get them to ro- roll up like a SWAT team, ideally. And people have died. And
0: people have been killed, yeah.
1: Yes. So this puts me in a situation where – a, I do not want to deny the possibility that had cops arrived and interacted with them, that interaction would have gone poorly for Christian Cooper. I, the People are misidentifying the biggest problem with NYPD policing, which is they're constantly sort of harassing and badgering people. People are constantly arrested for no reason. There are these nightmare stories that I'll link to um, in both the New York Times and the New Yorker and other outlets where like, a black kid riding alone on a subway will put his feet up on a seat and get taken to jail. He will get taken to jail over that. This is endemic. And I think in certain ways it's improving, but it's still endemic. And just the shit that NYPD gets away with is horrific. But if you're concerned about that problem, and I'm a New Yorker and I am, you should want to approach it from like an accurate understanding of the risks. And the fact is like these days, cops usually kill people in sort of more confrontational armed settings that's not always the case but things like the suspect having a weapon i, I looked at the stats on the washington post it's about 90 percent of the time at least i'm lowballing that because in some of the cases they don't know if the suspect had a weapon at least 90 percent of the time someone is killed by, by the police they had a weapon not only does, I, does that not justify it but I, I know basically for a fact i think cops are shitty at de-escalation especially when mental illness is involved but it it does a disservice to people in many ways to present the sort of average cop shooting. And there are a thousand of them a year, which is way too many as involving a situation like this, like the cops in New York respond to so many alleged assaults and threats a day. And I, I just, if you want to fix these problems structurally having a sort of cartoonish version of how this stuff works, I, I don't think helps. And I found it so hard to, to make that point because Especially if you're like a white writer, you don't want to be that guy stumbling and saying, "Well, actually, statistics." Right. And I don't, I don't know what to do about that because, like, actually, statistics are sort of important if we're trying to solve a societal problem. I also think, like, I'm in the the book I'm working on. One of the chapters is about the Implicit Association Test, and there's this these two countervailing trends in the way Americans talk about race. One is like it's pretty structural. We understand that the way police forces are built and the way housing works and segregation, this all ties into these complicated structures. And those structures produce unfair outcomes. Like white families by one estimate have 10 times the wealth of black families. It's a disaster and it's still a disaster. And the legacy of the past is still with us. That strain of thinking is important. There's been this other strain that I find counterproductive that is much more about individual white people and our thoughts and feelings and psyche and you see this in the IAT itself. You see it in white fragility trainings. You see it in microaggressions trainings. It's like there's an endless supply of, of books and trainings and, and materials we white people can buy to sort of do better. And there is not much evidence that stuff works. I mean, there's all sorts of policy changes you could make that improve the world, but but I think the relentless focus on white people's attitudes, even in a case like this, where she clearly did something wrong. But the the average time a black New Yorker has a shitty interaction with the police, it doesn't involve white people. It involves cops being dicks and overreacting. And, and New York is still very segregated. So this just isn't, I know this is the kind of situation because it, it bears echoes of the past. People want to zoom in on it and pretend this is like the face of of police injustice in America, but this this is actually a fairly unusual situation.
0: The number of, of, you know, Harvard grads, black or white who are harassed by police, I'm assuming is much lower. Um, You know, there's a class element here as well. And then there's, there's the media element. So this story, you know, made headlines all over the place, international news. Um, And I keep imagining, like 20 years ago, a reporter goes to an editor and says, like, a birder and a dog watcher got into a scuffle in Central Park. And the editor is like, Okay, well, did anybody get arrested? No. Did anybody get hurt? No. Okay, let's lead with that. This idea that this like very minor scuffle in which really the only person who got hurt in the end was Amy Cooper should be national news. I just don't see why this is making the front page of any newspaper. I don't see why I'm hearing about this on NPR and why this can't just like be a thing that exists on Twitter and we don't have to turn it into a fucking breaking news story. Because it's not. I mean, nobody got hurt. You know, I mean, you could argue that the dog was hurt. But are, but
1: are you sympathetic to the idea? idea that like in the past, these stories have often been ignored. So there has to be some kind of course correction. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate.
0: Yeah, I I think that these stories absolutely have been ignored, but I still don't know why they should be national news. I mean, this was also this, this, this was a a minor incident when it comes down to it. Nobody was arrested. Nobody was hurt, except for Amy Cooper. Um, Why should this be the thing that is leading every news story? You know, and, and I, I sort of struggle with this, you know, like, My position on on public shaming is basically that public shaming is bad. And, you know, in this case, I saw some people who I think in general have the same sort of, you know, knee jerk um, reaction to cancel culture and public shaming actually sort of shaming this woman. And I was like a little bit disappointed to see that because I think that if you're going to be against public shaming, you should be against public shaming. And entirely. You shouldn't be okay with it when it uh you know when the victim is someone who you personally don't like or someone or the, the victim is is someone that um that you think has done wrong. And it's not just about, you know, sort of the Twitter pile on here. I mean, this woman, her her she lost her job, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that her career is over too. I mean, what is she going to do? Change her name? Every time you google Amy, you don't even need to google Amy Cooper. Everybody who is going to be like in the position of hiring her is going to know who she is. Yeah,
1: maybe she should subversively change her name to Karen.
0: (laughs) Karen Cooper. That's good. Or Christian Cooper. Um, So it's like, I want to be against public shaming. In this case, I think that it went totally overboard because in the end, really nobody was hurt. Um, It's maybe a good example of like, uh, you know, a white woman, you know, reacting badly, but really, this is a non-story. Nobody was hurt. Or I think it should be a non-story. But at the same time, like a few days before this, I saw this video of a guy beating the shit out of an elderly man. Did you see this one?
1: No. Where, where was it?
0: It was somewhere. It might have been Minnesota. I think it was somewhere in the Midwest. Um, it was a guy who worked at, a, at like a retirement facility or whatever, a nursing home. And he's on camera beating the shit out of this old guy like it's there's no there's no gray area here he's not like maybe giving him like a Thai massage like he's beating the shit out of this guy it gets posted online and uh you know it spreads and then the guy gets arrested and so In that case, I think it's good. You know, so that's where I sort of have this this, you know, this moral conflict here. Um, In her case, I think that this was totally overblown. I don't think that this woman should lose her job and her dog over over, you know, an incident that was bad, but also like pretty minor in the long run versus this guy beat some beat the shit out of someone and he was arrested and I'm fine with that. So that's sort of so I I really struggle with that. Like Yeah. If you're gonna be a bit against public shaming, I think we should be against public shaming and I don't want to sort of equivocate on that and, and only be in favor of public shaming when it's someone that that I don't like. Um but at the same time, like the consequences of this particular incident were so out of proportion to the actual crime.
1: I think. Right. So there's there's two things here. I mean, one is someone's view of how much she should be punished should bear a little bit on, on their assessment of how likely it was like something truly awful would have happened to Christian Cooper. And I'm of the mind that statistically like NYPD rolling up in that situation, this to me is not the equivalent of like a white woman in the 60s in the South accusing a black guy of rape. I just think it's orders of magnitude less dangerous than that. And and I, again, I completely understand why people don't want to talk statistics now, because it's like such a horrible thing to even think about. But if we're going to debate how bad an act it was, you you sort of need to talk about that. So like my assessment of the proper shame and proper punishment, obviously, that's a source of major disagreement. The other thing is, I think we both agree that All else being equal, we'd much rather be in a world where people are forced to watch something like George Floyd being slowly murdered than in which they don't have access to that information. Like we're not in situations like that of clear and horrific wrongdoing with terrible consequences. No one's really talking about like public shaming of George Floyd. No one gives a shit because it's so clear that what's at stake is much more important than that. Right.
0: Right. right, Absolutely. I mean the two the two situations are absolutely not equivalent at all. But they do have you know the common the commonality here is that they're both filmed um you know and then they're put online and then the consequences and in one case i think the consequences this guy getting arrested and or getting fired and as we found out today he was he's been i guess charged with murder that's good you know and 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 that to me is part of the you know sort of the nebulous nature of this whole problem of cancel culture and public shaming is is it good in this case and not good in the other case
1: Right. Well, because there's so many of the the videos, particularly of cops killing people, like I'm thinking of like Tamir Rice or some videos of cops shooting people who are running away, where I think it is honestly the case that a lot of people and maybe particularly white people, because we're on average more removed from police violence, we would not have believed that. Like if you told me uh, Tamir Rice, and I know he had a toy gun, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you told me police would literally just roll up and instantly gun down a 12 year old, I would have said, Well, no, that's a bit of a caricature of how police act. But I think people who have been subjected to police violence have long known, no, police can actually be pretty horrible. So I think videos and social media have done a huge service in showing us how bad cops can be. And that's also part of what's a little bit awkward about making the statistical argument about Christian Cooper, because people have access to these completely horrific events. I guess at the end of the day, it's just like those worst case events are nightmarish. But if you want to talk about the everyday problems people have with the justice system, that's not the norm. That's like the the horrific exception to just normal normal awfulness and badness.
0: Right. And but this is what gets major media attention, right? I mean, like I was looking at you know this Washington Post database of, of police shootings, and the majority of, of victims of police shootings are white. I couldn't tell you a single white person's name who's been killed by the police, not one. And I can tell you a handful of black people because white people getting killed by the police doesn't become a story because there's no racism angle. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, I think a big part of this is people see these stories and they have these assumptions that these really pretty rare events, as terrible as they are considering that, you know, 330 million people in this country and the the vast number of, of police encounters citizens have every day, killings are rare, you know, a, sort of, uh, fucking with people, harassment, much more common. But we see these videos and they have such an emotional impact that, you know, people burn down cities in response to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we should be clear. I, there, are, I think it's true that, um, more white people than black people are killed by cops, but not that you're saying otherwise, but proportionally, it is way out of whack with like far more. Uh,
0: So I've looked into this a little bit. And if you control for crime rates, it's actually not that out of proportion. The population that has the uh, like the most out of proportion number of um, of police shootings in comparison to the population is native americans. And yes, there what black people are killed at higher rates than white people, but when you control for things like crime, those statistics go down. And this is something that like I don't really like to talk about, <laughs> you know, cuz it like I'm sure that some people will listen to me say this and say like, "No, you're racist." But I mean, I think that the statistics are important here. Yeah.
1: I mean, and especially if you put um for another part of my book, I had to look into some of the stuff in the context of the the super predator scare from the eighties, which was this idea that like sorry nineties, uh, which was this idea that everyone was about to be beset with all these like evil young black criminals, which never happened. Um, right. The the these disparities, from what I've seen, can really be explained by things like socioeconomic status. Like you control for that stuff and the gap. I, I just it's such a difficult thing to talk about. Like you sort of if you're gonna. Right, it's tricky because if you're going to talk about the differential rates of, of police shootings or encounters, you need to bring that up. But then that, in turn, is taken as you're saying there's some like essential racial difference when there when there isn't. Like someone someone with a college education, and a job is much less likely to be commit a crime or to be accused of a crime than someone without a college education and a job, and and that really is. Totally true across race.
0: I, I would love to see – I wish that the Washington Post um, database uh, you know, had had uh, information on income because I'm guessing that what we would find is that the vast majority of people who were shot by the police, the thing they have in, in common isn't their skin color. It's income.
1: Z- Zed Jelani mentioned – I think he looked into it and I think 95% of police shootings occur in poor neighborhoods by some metric, which which again makes sense because like if you – I grew up in a, look, even I had low key shitty interactions with cops growing up in an affluent wet suburb, but you did not have to walk around worried that a cop would just like pull up and throw you against the wall. Like, again, it's such a, a messy entangled subject, but, but the experience of living in a city where you really do fear the cops is corrosive. And I think that's what's driving some of this and just like repeated shitty everyday interactions. I, I, it's tricky cuz I haven't gone through that and I can't understand what that's like so I again that's like the risk of of you need some sort of like statistical rigorous analysis but you can't ignore the fact that people are responding to stuff in a certain way cuz of experiences they've had.
0: One of the problems is like you know you'll have a couple of bad cops that are responsible for the or, or who have the the, you know the bulk of um of complaints against them and they can't be fired oftentimes because of police unions you know there's training issues as well but if you bring up things like training or the prevalence of guns in american cities or um or the problems with you know unions having so much power that these people can't be fired and i'm pro-union but it's also true that it's incredibly difficult to fire a bad cop in some places and if you bring this up you know, the response by some sort of anti-racist activists and left-wing thinkers, uh, you know, some of whom we read in the pages of the New York Times is that's racist, that the only thing going on here is white supremacy. and. I'm fully willing to believe that white supremacy and racism is a part of the conversation. But if you really want to fix it, you have to look at the whole picture, not just this one element.
1: Absolutely. And the the states with the highest rates of police shootings are places like New Mexico and Alaska that mostly do not have a lot of black people. I, I for understandable reasons, we you and I have a tendency to circle back to like media reactions and who's saying what in their articles and on Twitter, but it is telling that certain viewpoints get elevated at the expense of others. And when it comes to policing, there's like a lot of two really good books on this. One is called Locking Up Our Own by James Foreman. The other is called The Black Silent Majority by Michael Fortner. Um, these are both African-American scholars. They're both brilliant. And they both show that like black people have a genuinely tortured relationship with the police. There's both a sense that, you know, you're harassing us. You won't let us live. There's also a sense that the police are not there for us when we need them. So, the sort of more radical abolitionist sentiment I don't think is really held by like rank and file people anywhere. It's just, it's just another situation where I sort of feel like a certain strain of like faux white radicalism is dominating the conversation. But all of which is to say, like, I just wish more of this focus was on the structural reasons police do shitty things. And there's like, again, in New York alone, you could talk about the summon system, which was recently reformed, but, but basically means that even From these minor tickets for like $25, they assign you a random court date. And if you can't make it for whatever reason, they can just adjudicate you guilty and issue an arrest warrant. You can get arrested for nothing in New York. And this is not a problem unique to New York. You know,
0: and I don't know if this is still in operation in the NYPD, but basically, like, cops were instructed you have to issue this many tickets a day so they just go to poor neighborhoods and start issuing tickets for things like loitering or whatever you know just like bringing people into the justice system for things that would never never be prosecuted never be arrested like you just wouldn't have this sort of policing in, uh, you know in uh, upper class neighborhoods particularly
1: white ones well, and also the the federal probe of the Ferguson Police Department revealed they're just fucking this this police department that is hardly at all black is mostly white is just milking the black community for fines and court fees. It's just it's straight up exploitation. Again, I'm more familiar with the New York situation. There, there, the stories you hear are like the stuff you'd hear out of some dictatorship. Like putting a kid in jail for putting his feet up on the subway is not something that should happen in America. And part it of should happen speech, anywhere. Yeah, no. Unless it's one of our internet enemies, in which case do it. <laughs> do on it. Any pretense. <laughs> part of what frustrates me about this is is someone sent a screenshot of just like an internet search, and the all the coverage on this is about white women, white women this, white women that, white women need to do better. At the end of the day, the way white women or any particular group acts is really a small part of the equation because part of what makes this a shitty situation is Amy Cooper. I think could reasonably expect that by calling the cops on this guy, she could cause him trouble. And there are structural reasons for that, The f- you know, just based on how the NYPD acts again, neither of us thinks that they were going to shoot him, but like it could have caused him some hassle. And if you want, you want to solve the problem so that when a dude threatens to call the cops on a black guy, or a, when anyone does that, they can just laugh it off and say, well, fuck you. Like the cops will protect me too. That's been the problem. Like a, a differential rate of protection. The cops often, protect some people, but not others. And and I, if all the online shaming led people to address the right issues and to develop more curiosity about how the NYPD works and the way it often treats people like shit, I wouldn't mind the online shaming as much, but it just, it feels more like a ritual of catharsis on the one hand for some people and of signaling on the other like if you're a white person you can show that you're the right kind of white person by t- turning amy cooper from a someone who did a very shitty thing in a heated moment a very shitty thing turning her from that into just like an all-out monster like a, some sort of grotesque caricature i i don't think that is a realistic way of addressing these problems
0: so this one woman gets fired she loses her dog she's publicly humiliated her pr- her friends all probably fucking hate her now And what does that solve? It solves absolutely nothing. You know, and and Christian Cooper, who... To his credit, it seems like a thoroughly decent person did a couple of interviews and he said like, you know, this woman, what she did was wrong, but I'm uncomfortable seeing this sort of vitriol, Um, you know, is the punishment in this case uh, out of line, you know, for the crime? And he seems to think that it is, Um, you know.
1: That's what's so baffling about this, just just the way people sort of conjure up identity claims like. You need to listen to this group. You need to listen to that group. But then, when when a member—not only a member of that group, but the, the person at the center of it—says, "Like, I don't, I don't see any indication he wants to like press charges." Like, again, I think he he did say that he thought like that police act violently toward people and that it could have been bad. But he in the video, he is not acting as though he thinks he's about to be murdered. Like, it's just he experiences so differently from the from like the um experience that people sort of imprinted on him.
0: I mean, he very calmly, she says, like, I'm going to call the police. And he's like, please do. Please do. You know, that does not sound like the the voice of a man who is terrified in that moment that he's going to get shot by the NYPD. I mean, if anything, he sounded sort of like just incredulous and sort of amused that this hysterical woman was like losing her shit. Um, You know, and so she he also so he brought out the camera, right, and that's when she like freaks really freaks out and I wonder how much the camera escalated the situation um and she did the exact wrong thing when when he brought out the camera was like get more hysterical and also take off her fucking face mask, which was incredibly stupid because then everybody can see her face um but I wonder how much that escalated because by now you know there's this pattern of white people in particular being caught on camera doing something racist or doing something bad in some other ways, and it gets put online and it blows up their life, you know? So I can see why if someone is, like, is holding up a camera, like, you'd freak out about it. I mean, this is not in any way to excuse what she did. Like, the woman seems, like, deranged, um, for sure. But, like, also, there's just been so much, like... um, It's like everybody's a mind reader, you know, everybody knew that her intentions here were to get this black man killed, you know, where like, you don't fucking know. I mean, it's just like Covington where people say like, well, you know, I could tell by this this sneer on that kid's face that he was guilty. Well, you can't really. And you're only seeing this one perspective. But also
1: like, again, not to continue going back to this, but it just it's like nobody like there's things about the New York Police Department we do know, like hard statistical facts about how they ruin poor people's lives and mostly non-white people's lives that stuff's important we could argue all day over exactly what was going through amy cooper's mind i i lean more toward the explanation that she's like a little bit racist racist enough to make a racialized threat and during a heated moment she did what a lot of people did was done so did something stupid and, and fairly inexcusable that's a different sort of theory about her mind than the theory that she literally wanted christian cooper killed and at the end of the day like i don't I don't want to fight about this. It's just when, when the, the coverage and the conversation instantly focuses on who is this woman? What's she like? Why is her brain so broken with racism? Again, we lose sight of the, of the stuff that would actually prevent situations like this from happening in the future.
0: You know, uh, I think that I think they need to get together. I think Obama needs to, needs to um, moderate it, have a beer summit with the Coopers. Meet the Coopers. It could be a show.
1: Yes, I, but I know I mean that ironically. Like, if you could, I mean, it's not Christian Cooper's job to do this, but like, to me, an an actual in depth interview with Amy Cooper, like really fucking pressing her on, like, what were you thinking when you when you made that threat? That part of the video where you really get hysterical, seeming even though he's not closing in on you. Like, I would I would watch that. I'd be interested in like her trying to sort of put together what she did and why she did it. Cause I mean, that's probably because I'm fascinated by why people do bad things, but um, you know, we already heard her talk about it a little, she apologized and, and acknowledged the racial component. I just think like, it, it's so clear that she was threatening to weaponize the police against him, not to murder him, but to harass him. And I think that's like a really, I think it's an evil act. I, I don't think that means her life should be ruined forever. Cause I'm a bleeding heart guy. And I think like, I don't even, I don't want teenagers who murder people put in jail for more than, however long you have to but
0: you know that's another interesting element of this is seeing a lot of the same people who regularly talk about you know um disbanding the police state who believe essentially that like we should do away with with the criminal justice system entirely also at the same time calling for this woman to be prosecuted for attempted to murder you can't have it both ways you know and I like, I believe in redemption, like you do. And I don't know how you get that in a situation where someone loses everything. Like, what is the path out of this? What is the path forward for Amy Cooper? And maybe we shouldn't give a shit about this one white woman, because who gives, you know, fuck her, who cares? But like, you know, there was a bigger outcry about this. And there is about actual murder. I believe in, in, you know, ban the box. I think that once you're if you've committed a felony, if you've literally murdered someone and you serve your sentence and you come back into society, I think you should be given every opportunity to go forward. I really do. But in this case, you know, it's not the justice system. It's the social media justice system. And how do you possibly go forward from this when your name is is forever going to be linked with uh, with this incident?
1: Yeah, I guess it's just like an interesting question of of Honestly, how much we should care? Because I could, again, you and I mostly agree on this stuff. I'm just trying to inhabit like other reasonable people's heads. And you could say a lot of horrible shit happens to everyone every day. Like, why should we? What's the reason for being particularly concerned about her fate, especially like at a time when the country is falling apart on multiple fronts?
0: I mean, she's a human being. I think you should be as concerned about it as anybody's fate. I don't think she's special. Um, but also, like, if, you know, if we're part of creating the uh, the storm around her, if everybody who jumps online and starts piling on her and then the media covers it, if they're a part of it, I think we do have in some investment in finding out what happens. If for no other reason than it's just, like, an into the story. Um, but no, I don't think that she should be, like... Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think that this should have been a national news story in the first place, though. I don't think this should have been a story at all. I think it should have, you know, they should have had their little spat. Um, I think she should have, you know, gotten sort of shamed by him in the in the moment. And then I think this whole thing should have just fucking gone away.
1: One one argument I could see in favor of posting the video is so a lot of people said that, well, what else was he supposed to do? It's not like the police would take this seriously. If he had tried to take it to the police because he did want to press charges and then they didn't. I guess then it'd be like, yeah, you, you gave it a shot. I guess this is more mind reading on everyone else's part, but they're like, well, what else was he supposed to do? It's not clear he wanted to do anything. And now he's expressing a little bit of contrition that it, it went this far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if he even was aware that. I doubt he was aware what would happen when when he posted this. And I think it was his sister who posted it on Twitter, where, where which is where it really got more traction. But I'm not sure even if he took this this video to the police and said, you know, this woman filed a false police report. I'm not sure based on his own account of what happened that she did file a false police report. I mean, if she felt, if he says, I'm going to do something to you, and you're not going to like it. I think that can be construed as a threat even if what he he's saying is I'm going to pull a dog treat out of my pocket and give it to your dog. Um without the you know she didn't know what he was going to do. I mean, I think if someone says that to you, it does seem less likely that the next action is going to be pulling out a dog treat than than I don't know, a weapon. Um, not that this makes it okay, it doesn't. Like clearly the woman was hysterical.
1: But this shit matters because like uh, the people are calling for her to be prosecuted and and I looked up that statute and basically the way it reads like you would need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she did not feel threatened by that utterance and again like you you sort of need to have principles because do we want cops in general to do more of what they always do which is straining at somewhat ambiguous situations and looking for excuses to lock people up of course the people that happen to that happens to don't usually look like amy cooper but Again, it's it's sort of what you're saying, where it's like this lack of any stable principles, just like flitting around from opinion to opinion on the basis of of whatever's outraging you at the moment. Which the the provocative question I have for you, and I want to check myself here, and I'm wondering if I'm being an asshole. I kind of think that in terms of like mainstream opinionated journalists covering this, that if you flip the roles here, and it was a Black guy with an unleashed dog and a white woman asking him to leash it? Do you you think it just gets covered in like a totally 180 way or what would happen?
0: I think you would have the same – in like left-leaning press, I think right-wing, totally different ecosystem. But I think – in left stream, in, in like left wing media, I think that she's always going to be the villain and he's always going to be the victim. Right now, like this is twenty twenty. I'm not talking about like even the '90s or the early two thousands, um, but I think in this case, like the white women are always the are always the villain. You know, even more than than white men. It's uh, it, for some reason the meme has become. You know, white women are,
1: are responsible for Donald Trump. That's The other thing, like if if you're gonna go that like essentializing race racial route, like. Why would you blame white women more than white men? We're so much worse than you guys. Thank
0: you, Jesse. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm a non-binary woman, white woman, so I always forget. I'm different.
1: Um Yeah. Yeah, this whole thing fucking sucks, man. I I I just don't like the idea that I should feel bad. I should feel bad about feeling bad for someone whose life was ruined because they were captured doing what I think is probably like the worst thing she'll ever do um i just i don't i don't want to suffocate that impulse i want to nurture it in people and the idea that by listening to that part of me i'm doing something wrong or unjust i, I don't know man i'm not, I'm uncomfortable with that and yeah i guess see oh the only other thing was like she was really tossing that dog around she was really
0: she was dog. you know so all right so i have a dog and that my dog makes those like choking sounds when he walks on a leash yeah. And I'm I'm not kidding about that. Like, she clearly, like, she was not paying attention to the dog. It looked like the dog was being choked. But dogs, if you walk a dog, like, on a leash without a harness, like, just with a whatever, a, you know, a, we call it his necklace. What are those called? Uh, collar? Collar. That's it. <laughs> necklace. Yeah. You
1: use a necklace for your dog's collar?
0: <laughs> no, we just, like, refer to it as his necklace for some reason. We also refer to his harness as his bondage harness. So it's just, like, a so weird, I- like... it is he's a very hot dog um so you know i don't think that the dog was like permanently injured she clearly was freaked the fuck out about the dog but that's kind of to me like the actually the saddest thing about this is that isn't that she lost her job but that she lost this animal that she clearly really fucking loves you know like oh, I don't know. So she doesn't have her job. She doesn't have her dog. I shouldn't feel too bad for this woman, but I do have this impulse to just, like, when somebody is being publicly humiliated in front of the public, no matter their crime, you know, unless it's, like, you know, the cop who killed um, George Floyd or whatever, but when, like, you know, when really nothing bad actually happened, it's, yeah, it's also hard for me not to feel bad for her. Or maybe it's just because I'm a racist white woman and I have solidarity with racist white women.
1: I think the most important thing here is the ways in which I feel attacked. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that, I guess, no, part of me is just like a little bit resentful because like, I feel like for, I don't know, seven or eight or nine, for a long time, I've written about online pylons and I've defended people who everyone in progressive media spaces deserve, agreed, deserve defending. yeah. Yeah. This is like, you know, I wrote about a woman, Monica Foy, who made a bad joke about a cop who was murdered and was and was driven from her house by death threats. And it's just, it's the exact same logic where I don't think she should be defined by the most offensive thing she ever did. And I think it's really bad to just like when when 150,000 people are already dogpiling someone, you don't need to join it. And I just right. wish I knew what people think. Like once it's already news and their life is already ruined in any situation, what? what are we accomplishing? What are we trying to do? And that's why I keep going back to the structural stuff. Cause like you could pick out specific aspects of NYPD policy or federal law or whatever. And you can say, I want to reform that. I want to change that. What's, what's the goal here? Do we, do we really think anything will prevent people from being cops and narcs and trying to call the cops on other people? I mean, I, maybe it'll have a deterrent effect on those lines. I mean,
0: I think the goal has very little to do with her or reforming society I think the goal is to participate in something, you know, it's fun to be part of a pile on, um, which is, you know, why it's so sort of enticing. You get to feel self-righteous. You get to feel like the hero, even if all of you're doing is tweeting, um, you know, you're part of something. It's fun to make fun of people. It's fun to be mad. So I think it becomes way less about like actually affecting change and just sort of standing up and being like, I too am pissed about this. I am outraged. I am on the right side of history.
1: Yeah. I'm always on the, Right side of history.
0: Yeah, you don't need to worry about it. Um yeah, this one is complicated, but not that complicated. Nothing happens.
1: Okay, so I think we're sort of approaching the end of our, our conversation on this. I guess one thing that struck me and is one reason like I'd be particularly keen to hear from listeners about this stuff, blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com is when I was like looking at different corners of my sort of social and professional networks, the assumptions about this were so wildly different. And I, these are spaces that are completely devoid of Trump voters. So it's not like a left versus right thing. But like, even the question of, of how threatening it might seem to have uh, a guy say what Christian Cooper said. like my, my newsletter subscribers, a lot of them were like, well, no, I'm a woman. I'm in a woodsy part of the part. I would find that threatening. Uh, on a listserv I'm on, no one bought that at all. So I'm just sort of curious about – digging into some of the the underlying different assumptions that are maybe driving disagreement on this. So definitely email us. This is like one of those things where I think we're more likely than usual to address listener comments on the air. Um, though no guarantee, of course, but definitely if you have thoughts, hit us up. Was there anything else you want to say, Katie? I feel like this, this has been a, exhausting subject in such a different way from last week when it was all just media bullshit. This time it's like, no, some important things are actually at stake. So I just want to take a nap now.
0: Yeah, this is way less fun than uh, shit-talking people who are more successful than us.
1: Where are Gia Tolentino's <laughs> allegedly human trafficking parents when you need them? They need to do something else to to reshift our attention.
0: You know what I did today? I um, ordered Gia Tolentino's book from my local bookstore. Trick Mirror? I did, yes. I, um, I I ordered her book. I'm, I'm making amends to, the, <laughs> to Gia Tolentino by ordering her book. I don't know if I'm going to read it, but I did buy it.
1: Does that feel, to me, it feels like that happened three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, it was a million years ago. It's, we're on COVID
1: time now. Oh, it's fucking crazy, man. Um, all right, did you have anything else about the Central Park Karen incident you wanted to say? CPK.
0: <sighs> Everybody just calm down. The uh, birder-dog owner fight is a long and storied one. It will not be resolved overnight, but keep your binocs safe, people.
1: This ancient rivalry that has defined America for too long. All right, well, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back with more stuff, too. We're excited to talk about Rogan, and there's a lot to say on that. But for now, this has been Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, America is broken and totally unredeemable.
0: And I'm Katie Herzog, and also remember... If you get invited to the Cooper Family Reunion, make sure you go to the right one.